0: Welcome to the Pharos Fit Podcast, where we help you to explore your capacity to move better, push further, and achieve your limitless potential through fitness, nutrition, recovery, and lifestyle. Hey guys, welcome back to the Pharos Fit Podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I am super excited today. Um, I've met like a good deal of uh, famous people in my career. Uh, I've met some really interesting people. But um, the person I'm with today, um, I'm, I'm kind of like intimidated to be in the presence of Because she is doing something that um, I just think is incredible. Um, I think their whole project is incredible. What she's done, what she's doing, the risks she's taking. Um, I think it's just such a noble and such an incredible thing. Uh, Her name is Carrie Richards and she owns Richard's Grass-Fed Beef. Um, And first of all, welcome, Carrie. Thank you. Um, we're going to talk a lot today about regenerative farming. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, what it is, how it works, um, how we how we how we do it, how we can move towards it, uh, and how uh, Carrie got into it. Um, so, Carrie, I guess we'll start with your your story, your history. How did you get to this place? Um, we'll talk about the, the your family history um, and how did Richard's grass-fed Beef come to be.
1: Um. Well, first off, thank you for that intro. That was really sweet. Uh, no, of course, <laughs> I, I
0: mean it. I'm sincere. Like, it's...
1: Oh, that is so great. Um, I'm hardly that big of a deal, but I appreciate that was really sweet. Well, I,
0: I think you're that big of a
1: deal, <laughs> um, Yeah, so I'm Carrie Richards. We, My brother Tom and Noelle, my sister Noelle, and I started Richards Grass-Fed Beef um, in 2013. Uh, the reason why we started that company is we have a, a ranch in our family was purchased by my great-grandfather in 1941 Uh, so we're the fourth generation our kiddos will be the fifth generation to Mm. run it and you know about 10 years ago we decided you know what's our stamp on this business gonna be yeah Uh, right then was like the local food movement was growing yeah Um, I was getting really into like omnivores dilemma like all those kinds of books that were coming out about local food and pasture-raised meats and we were like hey let's let's try it out and I was living in the Bay Area at the time. So were my siblings. And the ranch is about an hour outside of Sacramento, California. So we were buying animals from our property and selling whole animals um, cut up into into retail steaks to families and friends. I sold uh, a whole animal to my book club. So I sat in front of a garage with like a little scale and a calculator right. and slang beef to all my friends. It was <laughs> It was real rough in the beginning, right? Um, but we decided, you know, my brother and sister and I were like, Hey, there's market here. Yeah. Like we, we see something, everyone that we were selling to had either been to the ranch or we took them to the ranch. And so they, they saw what we were doing with buying sorry, not buying, but selling our product. And then my dad slowly kind of moved in the direction of like, okay, let's finish some animals and see how this goes. So that was about 2013, and then we hired um, our sales guy, Kyle, who is still with us today and is now a partner of ours. Yeah, And he helped us build kind of the wholesale side, so selling mm-hmm. to restaurants, grocery stores, um, eventually now online. Um, and basically about two years into that, we were like, oh, someone needs to be at the ranch. We had just gotten American Grass-Fed Association certified so because we wanted a label that we could – that we could stand behind that said we were officially grass fed. Yep. Because at the time USDA dropped grass fed as a label. Why. So, you know, I'm I think because it was too much work and there wasn't enough that the industry the grass fed industry was so small. Right. It was such a <laughs> tiny, tiny bit and it still is a tiny bit of the overall right. beef market. Right. It wasn't worth their time. Okay. Organic was where they need to put their money. Right. Grass fed got dropped. In my opinion, that's how it kind of went down. Right. So we went with American Grass Fed. They had a good, you know, robust label. And um, at the time, the ranch managers and my dad, they had to take notes. They had to like write down if the animals had vaccinations and or antibiotics. And we were getting these hilarious, like, hand scribbled, dirty sheets of paper of, and they were taking the notes, but it was like so disorganized. Right. And so my brother, who is a tech guy, And my sister and I were like, we need to streamline this because our tagline is trust and transparency. We need to make sure that that's like that that's through and through. So my brother being the tech guy helped us build a database to track all of our animals, all the vaccinations. If they get an antibiotic shot, they go out of the program, what they're fed and all that stuff. And we still use that program today. And so that has been like the kind of pinnacle that's held our trust and transparency from the beginning. And so once we set that system up, we're like, somebody's got to take over. Like somebody's got to work with dad. How are we going to grow this? He sees the vision, but he's older. He's kind of done with starting new things. Like it's time for us to kind of take over. Wow. So my husband and I were living in the Bay. I was a wedding and portrait photographer doing the beef company on the side. Um, And then my husband worked for University of Berkeley Alumni Association. He had a good job. I was doing well with weddings. And we're like, let's move to the ranch and see how it goes. So we moved the kiddos. We lived at the ranch for about um, a month. We, like, tried it out. And we're like, the ranch needs us. Right. Like, we went through, I went through all the paperwork. I saw kind of how things were being ran. And it wasn't that things were running that badly like uh, ecologically and like that kind of stuff it was just things were drastically inefficient right and to keep this going to the next generation we really needed to tighten things up and as much as my dad like fought me to help him with that in the end it's good like we we're in a good place now but at the time it was it was really it was a risk cuz right. like sure. we're leaving our safety of our jobs in the bay yeah we rented our house and then we moved up there for a year. That was in 2016, and then I got there and I was like, "We're same thing everybody does, I'm sure. When the next generation's coming up, they're, like, we're gonna get chickens, we're gonna right. get pork, we're gonna we're gonna do all the things. We're yeah. gonna be Joel Salatin. We're gonna move the chickens behind the sheep behind the and like the guy's eyes just glazed over, and right. it was just kind of this year long battle of being like. No, but there's so much opportunity. And then them being like the realisticness of doing that on this property, they didn't align. Right. And so right. I needed help with finding a framework on how to run the ranch right. in a way that I felt good about and that I felt was like efficient and sustainable the over the long extent, run. Yeah. yeah. So um, ironically, American Grassfed referred me to the Savory Institute and that's where I learned about regenerative. And so that's where it all started and that was late 2016 I took my first class with the Savory Institute in the fall of 17.
0: Yeah. And, and what's the what's the main difference between like grass-fed and regenerative?
1: So, you can be regenerative and not be grass-fed. Um, what regenerative really means is working with the land base that you have and taking care of the land base. So, don't graze this riparian area during this certain time of year because it's habitat for all these birds and insects and everything. So if you're going to graze it, graze it one time and fence it out for the rest of right. the year to make sure that that habitat stays healthy. Right. And grazing things doesn't mean you're killing the habitat. It actually stimulates the growth of the grass. Right. So you obviously poop, work right? out a lot. Through
0: poop, like, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: Through. through But like what you're doing to those plants is you're stressing them out. Like right. if you work out really hard 10 days in a row, you're going to be toast and you might stop working out. Right. <laughs> Those For plants sure. yeah. if you keep grazing them 5 days in a row, they're going to be toast and they might die and an invasive comes in. Right. So you got to work with the the strength of the plants that you have and encourage the plants that you want. And that to me, to me that's regenerative is working with the land base that you have.
0: Right. Right. That makes sense. And because at a certain point in time yeah. it was all kind of done this way
1: right I, <laughs> yes this is <laughs> not new
0: this is not new Mm-mm. we're just returning to mm-hmm. the way that things were done uh, a long time ago mm-hmm. at what point just just for people listening at yeah. what point did that really change and why do you think it changed
1: you know i'm I, you know i'm very new to this industry but in in my perspective i think it was the when we decided to use fertilizer yeah And when we decided to use herbicides and we decided to make monocrops and subsidies, it's like when that all got tangled into one, then we had all of this cheap feed.
0: Yes. And
1: running cattle on these big properties until they were finished was not efficient. Um, It was probably good for the land but it wasn't efficient and so then the feedlot system is built and you have the cheap feed you have the efficiency of all the animals in one place and all the trucks come into one place and they go out and efficiency wins and you know it's america efficiency wins efficiency wins (laughs) yeah
0: short-term solutions win because often it's Mm-hmm. You know, how do I solve the problem now mm-hmm. without thinking about what's going to happen in 30, 40, 50 years? Right, right, Because this is my administration and I need to be successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not worried about what's happening in 40 yeah, years' time. Yeah, yeah, yada, guys yada. That's
1: later. Yeah. This is now. So, so that came to bite us in the butt. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't ever want to point fingers at anyone because everyone's always... I like to say that everyone's doing the best they can with what they got at the time. But... Yeah that system is proving to be, now feed isn't cheap anymore. Right. And so is is that an efficient system anymore? And now we're doing all of these cool measurements on our properties where grazing lands, where grazing animals are happening, and we're learning like, oh, if you work with the system, you can actually sequester carbon. Yes. And you're not just releasing it into the air. Yes. Oh, you can actually build back grasslands with animals, not just take them away and then they're gone forever and all you have is weeds. You right. can actually use these grazing animals to improve things. Yeah. And it was for a long time. It was like, get the animals off the land, get the animals off the land. And then that's like the whole savory talk is like once they took all the elephants away, everything was still going south, It yes. was still de- desertifying. Yeah. Yeah. And so now that we have these measurements in place, we can actually measure that things are getting better in these grazing lands. Yeah. If grazed properly and you pay attention to the ecology.
0: Yeah. I mean you can find a ton of stuff on on, on YouTube about this. And yeah. you know, there's a lot of a lot of, a lot of emerging documentaries now about how how the there's only what, is it sixty years of topsoil left? I think if we if we yeah. keep going the way that we're going, there's only sixty years of topsoil left. And unless we we replenish the soil, mm-hmm. we're gonna be in, in big trouble. And the way to replenish the soil is with cattle and, mm-hmm. and with poop and with grazing and, and, mm-hmm. and that and returning to that cycle. Of doing things.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't have to be just like like we were discussing earlier before we started. It doesn't have to be this like, okay, you have to dense up the cows and you move them every day. And these are the rules because that's what Joel Salatin does. And he's successful. Like you can have, because you everybody lives on different types of property with different amounts of rainfall. And you can build a system that works for that environment. Like it doesn't have to be this thing that you do. Like you have to have the cows and then the sheep and then the pigs. Like people think that that's what regenerative means right? and that you have to do cover cropping and compost and all that stuff. And I apply for all those grants and I try all those things and some work better than others. right? Um, but I, I think what it really means is what, what you learn in holistic management, which is how you manage your property Um, holistically is us humans are part of the system.
0: Yeah, part of the cycle, yeah. Right,
1: like we are part of it. And so like we can't just take ourselves out Mm. and work ourselves to death for the good of the land. We have to make every part of it work together, like for the humans and the animals and the plants and the animals that we're working with. So that was a big realization for me when I learned, when I was told about that part, like when we do our grazing plan, the first thing you do is you put in the holidays, you put in your kids' birthdays, you put in your vacation. If you go on one yeah. some farmers don't. Yeah. You know, you put all those in first and then you plan all the farming activities around that. Mm. And then you start moving the cows and then you realize like, oh, we can't move the cows on that day. It's Easter and we're gonna have 40 people here. Right. You know what I mean? So like you incorporate your life into the system, which is right. a really nice way to look at farming and ranching because I'm sure you've met a dozen farmers and ranchers that are like, we work sun up, sun down. Just exhausted. That's what we do, Just and we're exhausted. Never stop seven days a week. And it's like, wait, let's let's decide that that probably doesn't work in the long term for people. Yeah. And how do we do it and not do that to people? Yeah. How yeah. do we incorporate the human health? Yeah. Back to the system as well. It's
0: super important. Yeah. Just for people listening, Joe Salatin is.
1: Mm-hmm. He is a farmer. I believe he's in Virginia. And he was featured in um, Michael Pollan's book, one of his books. I think it's Omnivore's Dilemma. Yeah. And he, and Michael Pollan goes out to his farm right. and sees all the cool stuff that he's doing. Right. And um, Joel Salatin's amazing. He has written tons of books on farming and ranching and making money and how to do it properly. He speaks all over. He is really a foundational, like he's a foundational person for the regenerative movement, not like we said before, not that this is new, Yes. but like this way of farming and ranching, he's really like shout at the rooftops and really if he, he like, he has such a presence and he, people listen to him. Yeah. And he has been, he has been such a great voice for this community and this movement. And when I read about his place, like I said, I showed up to my ranch. I was like, We need five thousand chickens. Yeah. Like the chickens eat the fly larvae and the flies go away. You know, like and it's all of these things you read about, but then you have to look at your property. Yeah. And go, Oh, how am I gonna get to implement this here? And maybe chickens don't make sense here because right. I can't get the grain cheap enough to make the bird right. cheap can- enough to sell it, you know, yeah. Then to sell it to the people where they're like. It's a $60 bird. I'm not buying that. Yeah. So you have to think about all those inputs.
0: How many acres is your farm?
1: We're 6,500 acres.
0: 6,500. Yeah. And so obviously I watched the the biggest little farm documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've watched that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how, how similar is your operation to that operation? And is that more like kind of what you're talking about with Joel. yeah that one's
1: super diversified so they have everything including the orchards and like they farm as well we don't do any commercial farming we are strictly cattle sheep and now we have a large pork program Mm. where we're using the animals to actually clear land for us and then we're bringing in the cows afterwards and creating more pasture
0: oh amazing because
1: we have a lot of shrubs and brush in our um on our ranch and i'd rather not use machinery
0: when right. possible.
1: yeah and so the pigs do an amazing job and then we bring in the sheep too and the cattle and everyone kind of does their job and then it's clearing that understory under the trees God, so it's a really incredible. yeah it's a really cool program so i have such a dry environment in my ranch mm. i can do that without completely demolishing the hillside mm. i lived in a really wet area those pigs might completely demolish the hillside, right. and then we have
0: it's a mudslide. Yeah, and then we have a
1: mudslide. <laughs> yeah, but where we are, and the way we move them, and how often we move them, and the fact that it's dry at certain times of year, they're not completely demolishing that hillside and turning it into a problem. They're actually doing really cool things for our property. So, yeah,
0: I, on the subject of water, like owning a farm in California, where you know drought is common, it's I mean, how hard is that to to manage? <laughs>
1: It's become my number one priority. But when I got there, I was so overwhelmed by all the things. But now I'm like, OK, we need a water truck and this is how big it needs to be. It needs to be four wheel drive. Like our biggest issue right now. So we have 6,500 acres. About 2,000 of those acres are steep, brushy and in an area that dries up in the summer. and We can't graze there because there's no stock water for the cattle. And so I've worked with the local, you know, government programs like NRCS and whatnot to build these like water trough and um, uh, solar programs so I can get water in that backcountry. But those are really expensive programs and they take a long time to implement. Okay. So now I'm like, okay, short term, we need a water truck and then we can push the animals further out in these areas that are a little bit more remote, but then they'll have water. Right. So I can't manage those areas really well in certain times of year because it dries up, and so we we call it like a where we are it's like a winter ranch. So we are our growing season is from November to June 1st, and then June 1st to November it is dry as a bone. Right. And so what I did last year, and this is part of like working with the Savory Network and meeting a lot of people that are, you know, doing similar things that we are and have the same um, certifications we have. I've met people that have pasture that I can send the animals to in the summer.
0: Oh, wow. And so last year. So you move your animals to different farms? Yes. So we
1: did that last year for the first time. And thank goodness we did it because it was like the worst drought. Right. And they weren't drinking out of our ponds or anything for that whole summertime. And so when the animals came back, they actually came back to food and water. Wow. They would have eaten it if they were. And that's a, that's a farm in a
0: different state?
1: No, no, no. It's just it's in California, northern even more northern even California. North. Right. Yeah. And so the cows came home in wonderful body condition because they were still on green grass that whole time. And then they came home and then they had all their little babies and now we we just like branded and tagged Amazing. them all. But we came like even though our ponds were really low and our, the water availability was really good or bad across the state. I was feeling okay about it because they were gone for so long that we did have kind of a backup. But then that crazy storm came in and filled all of our ponds. It was just like
0: like a sign. It was from like God. Mother Nature was like, "Sorry,
1: <laughs> yeah. here you go, here you go,
0: <laughs> here you go, sorry California." For all, sorry for all the shit. Like- I know that this is really stressful, <laughs>
1: but here's a little tiny bit of ice cream. Yeah.
0: yeah so that was That's like
1: yeah. October was like the. Uh, for all the farmers in California, it was like, oh my
0: god. When we when we talk about moving cattle, how many cattle are we talking? Like how, on any given day, like how many how many cows are on your farm? So
1: right now it's about three hundred. Okay. And then I take in animals in the winter because, like I said, our growing season is Light November it. to May. So you are taking we have more feed farms. than we can eat in that time. Mm. But then we have no feed to eat. Not no feed, but it's dry, yeah. and we have to save it for the fall sure. in that summertime. So I bring in a lot of animals to get a lot of impact in that winter Uh, time. So I bring in about a hundred more. So then we're about 400 Yeah. and they're kind of ranging in the back country, finding all the little spots and we'll feed them in certain areas to get them to impact. So we'll drive out there with the hay truck and they'll all come running and we'll feed on top of some invasive species and then they'll eat the hay and stomp it all down. And so we kind of just use them in the winter to like treat little areas. And then in the spring, when everything comes like crazy and it's growing so fast, we bring them all in and do the quick moves, like the daily two day moves. Uh, yeah. And that helps boost the health of the pastures, of the grasses, yeah. because you're, you're moving them and then you have it on your grazing sheet and you're like, okay, it's, we have to wait 30 days to go back. Sometimes we can get a second round out of it. Sometimes we can't, it just depends on the pasture. And that's why you do a grazing plan. Right. Because in your mind, you're like, no, it's been 30 days. Like, you know what I mean? Right. The old like, no, that's not how it looked. And then right. you look at the photo, you're like, exactly. it did. Yeah.
0: Amazing. Yeah. I mean, just explain to me like on a, on, a, on a given day, like what does your day look like? I mean, like when I think of a ranch that's 65,000 yeah. acres. Yeah. Yeah. How, how, how does one manage, 6, sorry, 6,500, sorry, 6,500.
1: five <laughs> like hundred. Uh, thinking that about would that. Be, that would be big. Um, <laughs> how does
0: one manage an operation like that? Like, mm-hmm. uh, is it, I mean, we, we talked about your, your, you know, you're trying to achieve more balance with the situation. You're trying to make farming right. more, more manageable, but right. you know, what, what does a day in Carrie Rich's life look like?
1: Right now it's a lot of child wrangling, to be honest, yeah. because this time of year, it kind things kind of mellow out. We just did a big roundup last week. So it was three days of bringing the cows in, sorting the mommies and the babies apart, and then going through all the babies and looking at them and tagging them and Mm -hmm. categorizing them. So that was like a three full day event. And then we have to monitor them for about a week, make sure everybody's doing okay, that like, you know, their brands are healing up and all that, but every season is different. So this this time of year, we're moving pigs every few days versus in the summer, which is like a week, mm. because it, there's moisture in the ground. And if we don't move those pigs, they will create crazy divots in the ground yeah. and mud pits. And so we're moving pigs every couple of days. The sheep will move every week or so.
0: And what's the main job of the sheep?
1: The sheep right now, it's funny that you ask that. I'm working on like a fire mitigation program where I, the sheep are funny because... I don't really eat a lot of lamb, but we have people that buy from us, obviously, that do. Well, great. I'm going to send you a lamb. (laughs) Um, But the sheep do an amazing job with, like, eating down. Like, they do really well in the hot summer. And they eat all that feed down and create, like, fire breaks. So I'm going to work on a fire mitigation program with them and perhaps increase my sheep herds for seasonally. Like, buy young sheep put 50 pounds on them, eating this one area to get like a fire break or whatnot on our property, right. and then sell them. So right. they're gonna be like a tool, a fire break tool, and an invasive species, because they'll right. eat, they eat a lot of stuff. Right. They're not like goats, but they will eat a lot of things. Right. So the sheep right now are a bit of a tool, um, okay. and that's like their main purpose. Mm. And right now that's a very small herd, but we'll probably increase it next year yeah. um, during the growing season. To make sure we hit those invasive species hard or the areas by the house that we want that grass to actually be low because god forbid a fire does come in it'll slow down if we have short grass right next to the house so eating down the pastures around the house is their job right now and you can dense them up into these little small areas i mean and really use them for small management
0: why so so I come from the UK, obviously, and lamb mm-hmm. is very popular there. Like, mm-hmm. I grew up eating uh, a lot of roast lamb. Yeah. My mother's famous Sunday at lunch was always roast lamb. Roast lamb with mint sauce. Fantastic. Why is lamb so much more popular in the UK? Well, I don't know. It's weird to me. I
1: blame the hamburger. Right. Like the rise of the perfect hamburger. Because I, I, I can't answer that question because I know that lamb was eaten a lot. Like my dad ate a lot of lamb when he was younger. Um, I like it. Every time I'm served lamb, I go to a restaurant or I go to someone's house and I eat it. I like it, but for some reason I don't think to make it. And we yeah. have it in the freezer, obviously. Um, right. But it's one of those things that I just I don't go. It, my brain doesn't go there. I
0: right. don't know
1: what it is. But every time I eat it, I love it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I guess I mean, but well, you know, when you think of America, you think you think of you mm-hmm. think of cattle, you think of cows. Mm-hmm. Like it's
1: the land of like. Cows, no. hamburgers, ribeye steaks. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: You don't think of it as like
1: sheep. But here's <laughs> the, the thing: the is the sheep, especially in California, are such an amazing tool for fire right. mitigation. Yeah. So I have a feeling they're going to rise in popularity mm. because I have friends that do fire suppression and they do. They go to like communities, like outside communities, and like you know the grass that grows up around the highways and it gets really tall. And that, if that catches on fire, it'll just shoot right to those suburbs. So they get hired to like eat all that down. Oh, shit. And sometimes you see it, maybe they do them here in the hills, but in Oakland, they have the goats and sheep in the hills. Same thing, right. eating down that dry grass.
0: Is it, um, is it cheaper to, to raise sheep than it is to raise cattle?
1: It's, uh, I, I, you know, that's a great question. Um, I think so. I mean, just the fact I, they're smaller. They would, I joke yeah. that they always pencil. And I get mad because I'm like, damn sheep. Um, they, what does that mean? Pencil. They, like when you do the math on how much it costs oh, 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 to raise okay. them, you're like, yeah. ah, the sheep are a really good deal
0: yeah. because they do really yeah.
1: well in the summer. And right. the cattle, the cattle kind of struggle in the summer if they're not on an irrigated pasture yeah. or you don't stockpile right or you don't supplement. In in my environment right. where I am and where our ranch is. So the, the, but the, the, the sheep do fine. Yeah, they, look, high they look fantastic in yeah. in July. And you're like, it's a thousand degrees outside. How are you guys looking so like happy and fat and ready to go? So the sheep are probably a little bit more efficient in the like Mediterranean climate of of California. Right. But it's not as popular of a meat. So what do you do? And so a lot of people are doing the fire suppression and mitigation stuff with the sheep. And then, some t- like a lot of people that I know sell those sheep just into the commodity market. They're all grass-fed. A lot yeah. of them are in regenerative systems, but the right. market isn't huge. It's
0: there for lamb meat. Mm-hmm. it's not wow.
1: It's not big enough. Yeah, yeah. So it's wow. interesting. Like it
0: is because it's so, honestly it's so popular in the UK. Mm-hmm. I know it's so 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 popular in other parts of Europe and and in the Middle East. But um, yeah, it just seems here as soon as I moved to is like yeah. You very rarely do you I mean, sometimes you see lamb cutlets on the menu in a, in a restaurant, but it's not mm-hmm. like a common thing. Yeah. And it wouldn't be like, you know, you wouldn't go around someone's house and say, oh, we're having a lamb. It's like, oh, cool. Like, yeah. It's just not done. It's like, yeah, it's, it's more it's like, oh, or it's that's fun.
1: It's, like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Uh, and I'm fun. biased too, because I don't eat a lot of lamb. So like there could be a huge market out there that I just don't even know about because I don't market it. I don't. It's right. not a thing that I'm focused on.
0: But this is this is what we're going to do. We Me mean you are going to market lamb I know we're doing I'm,
1: this together.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I want to so bring great. roast lamb and mint sauce to the bring to it the back. table. Like I, I said,
1: every it. time I have it, I love it. It's yeah. But it's not in my brain to be like we're having lamb tonight. <laughs> like it just doesn't happen. Doesn't and I don't out. know what that well, is. Well, like, it's
0: so much of it is advertising, right? So it's yeah. like of course in America you get like the advertisement for burgers. Oh it my was god! Steak, chicken
1: like, yeah. burgers, chicken, chicken burgers. But you just,
0: yeah. you just, there's nothing ever in the media about about <laughs> lamb. Um, so I, you know, uh, for us and I think we're in agreement. Like this is the way that farming should be done, and this is the way that the the, the everyone should be moving towards. Right. Um. So the next question is like, why why aren't people moving towards mm-hmm. it? Why is it such, uh, um, still such a kind of unknown way of yeah. farming to to many? Um, and, and how do we overcome that? Like, what's the what's the process here?
1: It's funny because like I, I get asked this all the time. Um, there's there's lots of people that are doing it and don't know they're doing it because right. it's like it's how their grandfather did it and it's how their parents did it. And like they're doing it, but they don't know they're doing it. So there's that category. Then there's like the big, huge farms and big, huge ranches that just are doing what they've always done. And maybe it's not bad what they're doing, but they just don't know. They don't know that like, do
0: you they know, not maybe, know? Do well, they not
1: know? well maybe they, pro- they, cause they don't measure, right? you know, there's no measurement of like before and after here's the before and after pictures. Like right. we do kind of an extensive yearly measuring of water infiltration, biodiversity of plants and wildlife. And like, we look on the ground, like, are there bugs and spiders in this little yeah. area? Um, we pull cores of soil and, you know, do the measurements of carbon sequestration. Yeah. Like, so a lot of people don't do that. And they also don't know that that's an option. Like I, when I tell people I'm doing that, that are other ranchers and farmers in my community that aren't part of my like savory group, they're just like, why do you do that? And then when I explain why I do it, they're like, oh, that's interesting. But you know how people get into their, they get into their habits and then it's scary to change. It is, yeah. So it was really scary for my dad. It was yeah. really scary for my ranch manager at the pre- time. Previous
0: f- to you coming in and doing this, how yeah. was your dad doing it? He was using. It was like in his head, it was like
1: this time of year they go into the 180 and then we move them into Leona until. And these are all pasture names. Right. We move them to Leona and we run out of feed. And then eventually we push them out the back country and we know it's time to buy hay because they're standing at the top of the gate. Like right. it's like it, it was a system that they used for years but it wasn't it wasn't based on the ecology it was based on the animal
0: right it was like the animal's right. ready what for does hay the now mean? Right. the
1: animal needs the hay now okay and so i pushed that out i was like well what if we waited a month to feed hay and we tried to push them in the back country even further like lock them down in this area where there's a beautiful pond right. where they have plenty of water and plenty of feed but because They're in this pattern of coming up the hill. Like if we can keep them down there for two weeks, there's plenty of food down there. They just don't go down there because their pattern is eat this beautiful meadow, eat that beautiful meadow, and then stand at the gate and wait for the hay truck to arrive. Yeah. (laughs) Like they get trained as well. Yeah. And so when we broke that pattern, it was, first of all, very scary for me because I was like, I think it's going to work. Everything I read said it's going to work. But our cattle were were trained one way. Yeah and so yeah. and then my dad was like you're gonna starve them all to death they're all right. gonna die right and then so that first year we basically the first the very first year which was like uh, we used a very small group of animals the finishers and we <laughs> overbuilt this electric fence it was a, such an elaborate system right. it was like a half acre we're gonna have 50 animals per half acre we're gonna move them halfway through the day and we're all excited and we- charge it up and electrocute ourselves a bunch of times because we're like is it working (laughs) (laughs) and then we open the gate and they blow through the fence i mean we had electric fence everywhere cows are running it's like stuck on their horns they're frolicking everywhere and we're like oh so then (sighs) (laughs) so we're like okay start over then we built it half as robust because we're like if they do it again right then we want less to clean up yeah and then we put some hay in there, so we kind, of, so they like kind of slowly went in there. Ah. So we had to train the animals because they weren't used to electric yeah. fence. They used to
0: what they used to, yeah. Oh
1: my god, and it was comical. Like we were once we were done being mad, we laughed at ourselves. Mm. We're like, this is something we're gonna talk about in the future. And so now our animals are used to it. And then if we do bring animals in from another place. Um, another rancher or whatnot, we eas- we either find out if they know they've been trained on electric fence or we go through a training process where we put them right. in a small pasture and we just do one line of electric fence. They eat one side and then we move the line and then they eat the other side. That usually trains them pretty quickly right. because they put their nose on the electric fence and they're like, nope, stay away from that. Got it. And then it's really a mellow transition for them, usually.
0: How, how long did it take to go from like, is this going to work to this is working or are you even at that point yet?
1: Yeah, well, I'd I'd say now we're at it. We're at, it's working because I've had multiple years to reassess and redo. So that's
0: 2013 to 2021? Well, no, I didn't switch,
1: no, 17. I didn't switch to like holistic management or anything regenerative really until the end of 17. So So that's four years, Mm -hmm.
0: it's taken to be like, okay. The thing that
1: has increased dramatically, quickly, Is we are sequestering more carbon and our pastures where we are holistically managing, so like the areas that are closer to the house that I'm moving the animals often, Mm. the diversity in those plants is tenfold of the backcountry. Right. Where I'm not doing as much of that because it is hilly and there's not as much fencing and we run out of water.
0: Is that what you? So, if someone were to come up to you and say, Mm -hmm. "The problem is Americans are eating too much beef, and it's it's killing the planet." Oh my god! Yeah. Like, what's your retort to that statement?
1: (laughs) That's a tough statement that I am faced with every day. Yeah. So, I I don't claim to have the answer, but I do claim to to show people what I'm doing is actually putting carbon in the ground. It's actually improving the land that I'm working and living on and i see more wildlife every year i see more diversity in plants every year so my rebuttal usually if if it's a person and it's a one-on-one thing is come see what i'm doing yes come to the ranch yeah and then you want more information go visit white oak pastures in georgia right see what they're doing right read Joel salatin's books right there are other ways outside of the feedlot system that everyone thinks is the only way beef is raised. Yeah. There are um, there are other ways of raising animals. I get that people are really scared of beef and all the alternatives have made it their number one marketing tool to scare people away from beef yeah. and lamb and dairy and all of that. And there are systems that could be improved upon. But also what I feel like as well is pointing fingers at like the people that are doing the wrong things That is not a way to bring everybody together, like with anything.
0: Yeah. I mean, let's be real. Biggest problem in the world right now. Yeah, like,
1: okay, they're bad, we're good. Yeah. I don't feel that way. Yeah. I feel like the feedlot system could be improved. I feel like the monocrop system could be improved. Maybe we put some cattle on that on those corn stalks after they're done harvesting. Right. Let's see what happens there. Like there's incremental steps that you could do that aren't as scary as they seem. And if you just get people to work together a little bit, which can be very challenging, I understand. Sure. We can all kind of pivot towards the right direction. Like I, you know, I, I ate vegan for a while. It didn't work for me, obviously. I've tried all the different things. And I get it. Different people can thrive on different things. And that's okay. But pointing fingers at everyone like you're the bad one. That doesn't move the needle.
0: Right. And, and as, as with so many things, ignorance is usually always the problem. So people right. are ignorant of this topic and of yeah. the subject and of this method. Yeah. Um, and so f- uh, and so they just like like demonize beef as like this yeah. is the reason the pla- This the is the reason. Dying. This is
1: the one reason. <laughs> yeah. And there's so many other factors about how we treat our earth that are huge like yeah. transportation and like there's just so many other factors to focus on this one thing is is kind of it's not looking at the whole picture well it's which...
0: irresponsible and it's, it's not like soy farming is, mm-hmm. is you know great for the planet so it's like right you know the the, the problem is right now i mean I, I well i always talk about you know nutrient-dense foods and how mm-hmm. you know well raised beef is is probably the most nutrient dense food on the planet beef right. alcohol that kind of stuff right um and on the on the counter side all these like newer foods that are coming through that claim to be yeah you know meat substitutes are often chemically made they mm-hmm. contain a ton of um, additives right um the farming practice they use to, to get those additives are, are not good yeah. so you're 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 trading uh, one problem for a, a potentially an even bigger one um and you're making people eat artificial Things that we, we we have never eaten before in the history of mankind, right? Whereas you know, beef, animals we've been eating yeah. since the dawn of time. So it's you know, it's a, it's a, it's something that I I I find very difficult to to navigate when I'm talking to someone who you know right. has made that choice because I, I fully support everyone's decision and right. what they want to eat, and right. Everyone's welcome to do whatever they want to do, yeah. But it's a it's a hard argument for me to digest when people do talk about, you know, I don't eat beef because of the i think it's bad for the planet Mm -hmm. so i eat these things i'm like i'm not sure that's really solving the problem yeah (laughs) or or making humans healthier at all right um in fact i i I would argue it does the opposite but that's for another oh totally totally but But yeah um,
1: and it's it's a hard it's when you uh, when you encounter someone that has that deep belief sometimes the conversation isn't going to go anywhere Right. Like, but sometimes I get people like I, I had an old friend come up to me and she was like, oh, you know, congrats on your business. And then she like tilted her head and she was like, how do you do it? Right. And I was just like, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I, I explained that. Well, our, how do you do
0: it from a moral perspective? Moral,
1: morally. Right. And I was right. just like, okay, here we go. Like, I always knew that this question was going to come up, but, you know, it's never been this direct, but here we go. And basically my cattle live an amazing life yeah and yes their life ends and i choose when their life ends and that's hard to deal with yeah but i'm giving them a really good life they are actually working with me on improving the lands that because we buy from not just our place but from our cousins and a couple other partners that are all partaking in holistic management Mm. and so whether they come from our place or our partner places i know that they are being raised to a standard that I can totally 100% back. I know that they are improving the land because we're measuring it. And I know that they are gonna be the healthiest version possible of that protein because we're giving them all the things they need. Because part of what we do as holistic management is when it's dry out, I need to supplement those animals with mineral and protein because they need just a little bit of protein to keep their rumen happy. And then when it's really, really green, that's too much protein. So then we need to supplement a little bit with some dry forage. So part of holistic management is making sure your cattle are always eating what they're supposed to be eating. And people, when they think of people that raise cattle, they're just like, wow, they stick them out on the pasture and then they throw them in the feedlots. Yeah, people do that, that does happen. But there's people like myself that are doing things that are not only good for the earth, but good for the actual animal. And then you're gonna be eating the healthiest version possible of that protein and so you know how do i do it it's a tough question to answer because when you think of it only from that perspective there's only one answer in in that person's mind It's like you're the devil (laughs) you know what i mean there's a lot
0: of people that that assume that they've taken the moral high ground right and no one else is going to measure up to that that high ground and that
1: person in particular i told her i was like when we do a farm tour come see yeah. And that's usually my rebuttal is just come see what we're doing.
0: Right. Like. Take the time to educate yourself and understand. Come see what we're
1: doing and understand that I am one out of thousands of farmers that are doing really cool stuff. And and another thing is like we all agreed a while ago as a community, especially in the health and fitness community, Processed foods aren't so good for you. And now all of a sudden we're driving in that direction direction, at a thousand miles an hour. And it's It's, like, it's
0: kind of mind blowing. Wait, what
1: happened there? And so that's why I'm like, I agree with you. I agree with you. That's like, is that the right direction to go? Some people can thrive off of a non meat or dairy diet, but is the processed version of it a good idea? Right. So.
0: Yeah, I mean yeah. it's yeah, it's it's a difficult, like I said, it's a difficult subject for me to uh-huh. deal with when people like ask me about it because, uh-huh. you know, I I have fairly not no, I have strong beliefs on 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 this topic mm-hmm. and it's it's very hard to, like I said, you want to be understanding of people and you want to listen to them and you want to take their point of view in and you yeah. want to be, um, you don't ever want to dismiss people. You want to have the conversation, right? But uh, at A certain point when when that enters the the discussion like these these man made foods that we're now you know, yeah. when you, when you, you know, you're trying to create a food that looks like meat and smells like meat and isn't meat but it's just but a why? very like but why, why are you but creating yeah. like
1: meat's already available and I get it it's the
0: but it's also not cheap the, the yeah the the finance thing was, comes into it but mm-hmm. oh yeah you can do it that way but it's very expensive mm-hmm. I mean these 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 chemically made meats are not cheap
1: well like, and and they're made from <laughs> sometimes they're made from subsidized products so the the actual cost isn't even in there right because it's coming from a subsidized product right, right. so it's like the true cost isn't even really in there
0: right yeah, yeah. it's it's a minefield I know. um <laughs> and also uh, you know we talked a little bit about this before you know in private conversations but when it comes to media and when it comes to attention mm-hmm. You know that that side of things. So, so the the, the vegan side of things and the the, the non meat solution mm-hmm. seems to get a ton of press, a ton mm-hmm. of attention, a ton of media. The regenerative farming movement mm-hmm. gets nothing, relatively. Yeah. I mean, why is that?
1: I so I don't know. That's my immediate answer, but my assumptions are profits. Those meat alternatives make tons of money because right. they're taking a product that's cheap and they're turning it into this moral high ground answer that they can price whatever they want because it's it's making people feel good by buying it
0: making people feel virtuous which is like right the and the then day.
1: and then they're spending all their marketing <laughs> dollars hating on what we're doing right and saying regenerative doesn't work it doesn't scale blah 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 and mm. they they have the funding to to tell us to go away Right. Regenerative doesn't really,
0: Have that kind the of margins backing. are
1: small. They yeah. are small. Mm. And like, that's the thing is the reason why the margins are small is because regenerative isn't being pushed as the answer. I mean, I'm pushing it as the answer. Right. But we, I, I'm not a billionaire corporation right. well, like with
0: an endless budget. It's like we said before, if Bill Gates had the biggest regenerative <laughs> farm in, in, in America, then I guarantee you we'd be hearing about it. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) And that's the thing is like
1: it. And, you know, I've heard through the rumor mill that a lot of people that invest in Beyond Burger also invest in regenerative because they're hedging their bets. Right. And right now all the funding is in Beyond and those kind of businesses. Yeah. And so it's funny because, well, it's not funny, but when I transitioned our place to a more regenerative program and holistic management, I didn't really realize there is a lot of supplemental like funding out there, you know, in grants and whatnot. And there's even more now.
0: For generative funding? Yeah. Oh. For like compost well,
1: application and um, no-till drilling because these practices right. are becoming a thing and people are like going, oh, because they're measuring, they're going, oh, if we put these, right. you know, nitrogen fixing plants in and then we graze it, then the carbon you know, sequestration goes up by this much. So now that we're measuring,
0: You have the data to back up We have the data to back
1: it up. And so like it's been really exciting to like, like I just got emailed the Healthy Soils Grant application and I'm like, yes, like because it it existed when I started all this, but I didn't know about it. And so like there are resources for people out there to help them transition and to try out some of these things um, where there's no risk because you can take the grant money and you can work with the local, you know, the local college or other farmers that have done it and like see and bef- measure before and after like so there are resources and they are building but it's just it's still new it's right. still new and the science keeps changing like they used to take a core sample that's like this long and now it's shorter and now it's fatter and then the, the water infiltration Um, little tube that we use to see how fast the water gets soaked in the ground it used to be really wide and now it's really narrow because like the science is also changing okay along with the measurements and so we're trying to figure out what the most efficient and cheap way to do this is soil samples used to be 300 bucks a pop and now Mm. they're way less and so like it's it's moving in the right direction but in my opinion it's like Come Come on, on. let's go. go.
0: I I saw in one documentary where there is a group of people who are going to farms and trying to teach people and show people how to do this. What's that movement? I don't
1: know. It it could be Kiss the Ground. Was it Kiss the Ground? I think that
0: was the documentary. Yeah, Yeah.
1: so they've done a bunch of videos and they actually funded our video. That's a great documentary, by the way. If you
0: haven't seen that Kiss the Ground documentary, you have to watch that documentary. Yeah, it's It's so good.
1: So they, they're an amazing organization and they do education. They do, um, they fund a lot of, like you said, uh, videos and movies, they did our movie. And so um, they're an amazing resource for people. I read their book like early on yeah. and didn't, like they had, they had resources at the time, but it wasn't like the way it is now. Like mm. there's just a lot more education out right. there now. And also a lot of people reach out to me and they're like, can I pick your brain? And I always say yes. Because I was there.
0: You were that person. I was yeah. that
1: person. Like, yeah. I think like reaching out to people that either like are doing stuff that you're inspired by, like it's such a good thing to do. And it's scary yeah. because you're like, what if they never answer? But like, then they never answer. And you ask the next person. Right. But like, I think reaching out to farmers that are in ranchers that are doing stuff like this is the best way to find out more information Yeah, and like i encourage everyone they can reach me through the website um but it's it's crazy i i feel like it's coming around and well i hope so i really do yeah it was yeah. the number one what was it the last year when the world shut down it was the number one food trend on like whole foods like study of like
0: like grass-fed of, carnival yeah, type stuff? Yeah, it
1: was like regenerative was the number one food trend. Oh, and cool. then the world shut down. Right. And so we're almost like a year behind. Right. Right? Because like everything was like, you know, Food Expo West got canceled and all the big food shows, like it just all kind of fizzled. But now here we are. Like, okay, let's start the engine rebuilding. again. Yeah. Let's keep going. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited. Like my friends I've noticed just in the years that I've left the Bay Area and moved to the ranch, they forward me articles all the time and they're like, Look, like this was in the New York Times or this was in, you know what I mean? Like it's becoming yeah. more and more
0: yeah. of a thing. Um We just you gotta get you just gotta get one media outlet behind you, just like <laughs> plug it and you'll be there. I know. Um in terms of your kind of like diet like how do you what's your thing diet wise i, I, mean, I, I i've done i've done carnivore I've yeah. done paleo like oh, all I've these things all. but yeah. yeah
1: so what i do best on is like a paleo type diet right is like a whole 30 type diet like not a lot of grains not a lot of dairy um if i am eating dairy it's like full fat but yeah. i don't eat a lot of it right and a lot of meat a lot of veggies like yeah. that's my diet but let's be honest there's a local bread maker that lives right next door to our ranch right it's, so i eat some of that yeah and then there's a good. guy that makes like <laughs> buffalo mozzarella. Right. And I eat that. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not like, oh, I never go and I never eat out at all these places. But right. I Moderation, mainly in yeah. like a paleo Whole30 kind of diet.
0: And when it comes to vegetables, you don't, because you don't grow any vegetables in your farm. Do you mm. get them from other local farms? So we or grow, do we mean?
1: do a summer garden, a pretty oh, big one. Yeah. Mm. And so that lasts from May until just about now. It's starting mm. to die off but we live close to so many amazing farms and we have an amazing co-op right by our house in town. And oh, cool. so I buy all the veggies we'll from there basically. That's great. Yeah. So it's kind of nice. And then we have amazing farmer's markets too. And so, and then there's like the watermelon guides. So we buy all our watermelons from him in the summer cause he's right down the road. So we just kind of, we try so hard to source all the food that we eat locally and then like our neighbor just brought us a bunch of persimmons for all the pigs. And so we're like super excited about that. Amazing. So I'm getting better and better about, cause I lived in the Bay Area for so long to so making the transition to buying things that are in season was, it was yeah. a shift. Yeah, for sure. And so now I know like what's in season and when people bring me strawberries in yeah. January, yeah, like you know I'm it's like not. people. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the time of year for strawberries that's
0: it that's kind that's kind of <laughs> fascinating because it's like most people just wouldn't even think about that no they wouldn't even enter no. the sphere of their minds and mind. you eat
1: it and you're like this is a strawberry product right because it has no flavor there is no way yeah there is <laughs> yeah. no
0: way that this can exist right now
1: totally i'm just like oh strawberries in january hmm.
0: so you're a mother of two you play soccer, you coach soccer, mm-hmm. and you run this farm. How the how the fuck do you do it all? Like, how do you how do you fit it all in?
1: It's not graceful. I'm gonna tell you that. Um, it's hard. It is hard. Uh, we are actually looking to hire a full time ranch manager, right? Because um, I have two little kids, and they're very athletic, and we're starting to get in competitive soccer and traveling yeah. and like all that stuff. So part of the holistic management thing is like, how do I get this ranch running in a way? That it can pay for someone to help us. Yes. Because like, I, like
0: gin. It's it, to, yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like,
1: okay, yeah, we can still work here Monday through Friday, but we need a weekend person. And maybe that person works Friday to Wednesday. Right. Like, how do we make this work for our life? And right. not saying that that person would never have weekends off, let's be real. Yeah. Right. But how do you like, scale, basically? How do, how do we scale our yeah. business? How do we scale our life? And how do we have the ranch work with us? That is really important to me because when Mm. I first moved up there, the kids were tiny and so they were on the farm the whole time and we didn't have to really worry about much. But then now that like one was in preschool and then the next one was in kindergarten and now they're second and fourth grade and they are just 100 miles an hour every direction and one's one's into horses and one's into soccer and one wants to play basketball and I'm just like, okay. Yeah. The new like budget for 22 is how do we hire someone, yeah, but continue to make money and to continue to like make sure that the person we're hiring has the same like values as us, yeah, because we don't. And, wanna... and that's that's yeah. what I was
0: gonna say is it would be easier at that point to start taking shortcuts because it's kind of like, right, god, if we yeah. just did this and it would be so much easier, but then totally. this is against my principles, so right, and I'm that's to and that's what that.
1: we get caught up in yeah it's like right now the sheep ideally we'd be moving the sheep more often but we just don't have the manpower right now right Uh, and so like how do we keep it going in the direction we want it to go probably involves another person and we've been doing an apprenticeship program Mm. um but i think ideally we Continue the apprenticeship program, but we have a full-time person that we can kind of like work with them on doing the the management of the property itself. Because I also um, I have two leases that I manage where the cows go for either finishing or like the summer pasture. So I'm not just managing my property now; Mm. I'm managing these leases. Right, and so things are expanding, but I'm only one person. Right, and I don't want to work my poor husband to death.
0: You're gonna change camera. No, just one hour. Oh, great. Okay. It's Good, yeah, yeah. Um, so
1: yeah, my husband right now is a saint, God bless him, because he is doing all the things while I'm like making all the phone calls and sending checks and invoicing right. and marketing and like yeah. running around. And then, oh, we got to move the pigs, okay? We run outside, we move the pigs. It's just right now, it's a little chaotic, wow, but we're doing it, You're and doing it's it. great. And it's, I wish I had more um, wherewithal, wherewithal to like document it because it is. It's not a regular not a regular job he, here's the other
0: here's <laughs> the other question you know as a female rancher mm-hmm. i mean tradition uh, i mean how do i how do I word this so you're moving into what was traditionally uh, a mm-hmm. male yeah. field right right uh being a rancher and you came in not only were you doing something risky as yeah, yeah, it's like a, double a whammy. farm mm-hmm. you're also a young a young woman doing it thank and, you for calling me young and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, did you have any resistance against that? Was that did that yeah. make it even more challenging, or did people not take you seriously? Like,
1: um, yes, to all those. Right. Um, I, God bless my dad. He raised me like you can do whatever you want. You're fine. You're in charge. Right. You're you're a girl, but who cares? And so I had that mentality. I did come. I did bump up to. I got little lady to lot. You know, I got. You know, like where I signed up for the Cattle Women's Association and then I was like, I think I need to go to the Cattle Men's Association meeting because they're the ones that are trading the cattle. Right. And so like there's been some things like that going on where I'm like, I need to be part of like both sides of things. Um, But yeah, it was it was like I was the I was the like second youngest in my family to like in the family and so i'm the one like taking over so like that was probably interesting mm, for my family dad dynamic. yeah to be like oh it's you're the one that's going to be doing it okay right. interesting you know expectation pivot. Yeah. and then yeah i got little lady a lot but i never had i growing up i just never had the like the you're a woman so you can't do it as good mentality and i never felt that presence from other people maybe because i wasn't looking for it or i never was I never encountered it and maybe if I did, I blew it off. Right. And so I it that didn't intimidate me. Right. Really. Um, so it never became an issue, like that big of an issue. Right. Is is the like the short end of the story. Right. Um, but it was something that I bumped up against and I was just like, Okay, we're gonna push past this. Yeah. because like, yeah. I not got time for this. Yeah, I gotta exactly. make this thing profitable. So we gotta the, move forward.
0: It's the least of your worries is the totally, point. totally much, yeah. pre- much bigger things to worry about. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't tell you this, but uh, I went to I went to look at a ranch the other day uh, near to where I live, and it's oh, only nice. four point four acres, um, but it's this beautiful Still. like six bed house with uh, uh, four bathrooms, four point four acres. Yeah. Uh, it had um, stables, you know, really nice property in um, close to where I live in Idlewild, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> i i don't talk numbers too much but the, the price of this property was mm-hmm. the same price as my property pretty much right and my, mine's obviously a lot smaller on a half acre yeah because values and i was, are like I was yeah. asking like why is this the case and the realtor said to me people just don't want this lifestyle anymore it's just too much work and i was like ah, oh, i know i get it but it yeah. you know when, when you hear stuff like that it's like god what what happened to people like right you know,
1: it's like how do we grow enough food for the world? It's like everyone does a summer garden, right? Like do a summer everyone garden to work and you have at plenty it. of food for like six months out of the year. You know, you have California. a property like like
0: a four point four acre. You could, yeah. I mean, you could certainly supply food for your own family, right? And then probably oh, a good, yeah. good amount of families. You can produce here. a
1: lot of yeah. that amount of it. Yeah.
0: So yeah, it all comes down to work ethic at the end of the day. Like how much That's work so you interesting to do
1: yeah because where we are um there's a lot of they they call those like ranchettes like small properties that like you could definitely have horses you could have goats you could have a farm um those are really popular in our area and Mm. but and people utilize it they have you know two horses on it and then they have a huge garden and stuff so maybe like and so down here is it not so much that way
0: yeah, according, according to, to the, the realtor, case, shit, yeah. Apparently, it's really hard to sell property there because people just don't want that much work. Don't wow, want to take so it on that much that much work. And it's not like you're not yeah. like in the middle of nowhere. It's like 20 minutes from my house. Right. So it's not like you know yeah. you're not in the sticks. So it's kind of like yeah. wow, people have really gotten that. It's so kind sad, of like-
1: but at the same time life is so busy like think about our phones like if i had my phone on the table it'd be going bing 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 this whole time we're talking
0: well this is the thing (laughs) this is yeah and this is the thing thing for me it's like well yeah but you have a property like that and it does take management and then you have this thing to manage and then you have that to manage it's like like, where where does everything you know fit in whereas maybe 50 Mm -hmm. years ago things were a lot more simple but they definitely but it it's still like that kind of thing appeals to me because you know oh yeah and it's so great I watch way too much Yellowstone so it's like oh my God that whenever, show? whenever I see something I'm like yeah I could do this that's the this. number
1: one show that people <laughs> screenshot and send to me oh really they're just like I think of you every time I watch it I'm like that's interesting because it's, it's a like really crazy story
0: <laughs> yeah do you watch it
1: <laughs> yeah I watch yeah. a little bit of it I'm like for one I don't go anywhere in a helicopter guys right. so just right just letting you know You're not
0: quite the female Kevin Costa <laughs> no but I, yeah I'm borderline <laughs> obsessed with yeah. that show everyone no it's it's, I'm, I'm, it's
1: an exciting show I get I get why it's so popular
0: but it's but I'll tell you what is interesting it is there's interesting a lot of really good one-liners from show. that show there is mm-hmm. but what's interesting is how popular it is mm-hmm. so that it, and the whole return to western's that's mm-hmm. coming through this um, in yeah. the next few months There's a lot of western's being made there's a lot of return well, that's to that why kind I think of it's film interesting
1: mistake. that your realtor said that because there has been since the covid thing there has been an influx to yes. where we live of Bay Area, Sacramento, L.A. Right. I mean, it's like the property amounts because um, the town that my kids go to school in is Grass Valley. And so it's close to Tahoe. It's close to mm. um, Sacramento. But it's a small town and it's lovely. Those housing prices have skyrocketed. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, Idlewild itself, where I am, that's yeah. definitely true. Yeah. But what I think happened was that is just a step too far right, right now. Right, right, right. Because people yeah. got to do things in phases. Like, yeah, yeah. I'll leave the city, but I need to go somewhere <laughs> yeah, yeah. like this. Where I do you have then,
1: neighbors, but not too many neighbors. Right. Yeah. But then maybe that's the next. Yeah. So
0: maybe yeah. what I'm saying now is like, if I got that property now, <laughs> totally. in, in five years' time, I might be on a gold mine. Like, yeah. No, who knows? I know. But um, yeah. So. My point was it's kind of fascinating how people are now like kind of obsessed with mm-hmm. the that way of lifestyle again the the the, the, the old west well, it's so and, different and from and,
1: now like everyone's inside everyone's on a screen right and so you're like oh my god being outside all the time what's that like oh what's that lifestyle like and it's just like which is crazy to me but it's crazy but I also, get it I also totally get it
0: And in, in a technology obsessed world where it's yeah. all about like social media and all that shit it's so nice to be like yeah Oh, but that life doesn't yeah. have any of that it's like it, almost know. like a an idyllic
1: totally return
0: to yeah you know humanity oh my god i know
1: i i notice like if i'm out building fence and i'm like listening to a podcast sometimes just listening to a podcast it checks you out of the environment you're in and you have to like turn it off and be like i'm outside there's right. birds like there's right. wild animals Like. Let's be outside. Yeah. And but sometimes you just get in those modes. You're like, "Oh, I have to build fence, okay?" Listen to a yeah. podcast, like but it's and you have to turn it off. You have to like like consciously turn it off. Yeah. It's You tough. really
0: do. And it is tough because <laughs> you know, tough. like you said the pho- the phone's always pinging. Yeah, there's bing, always an Instagram bing. message, there's always an email. Mm-hmm. There's always fires to put out, you know, when you have a business. Right. Oh, um yeah. and literal so, yeah.
1: fires sometimes. Uh, for am- you more so. Yeah. <laughs> We I'm have sure. been lucky, knock on everything. We haven't had any, we had lots of fires like five miles away, but the way the winds right. blow, like I'm obsessed with the wind app. I'm like, nope, I'm sure. fire's not going to get us because I know kind of the wind patterns in the summers. Yeah. Yeah. Not that those won't change or that they could change, but for the most part. So we've had a lot of fires that are like in our town, but because of where they're located, I'm like, we're good.
0: You're okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I scared my poor apprentice to death last year because she was from Virginia. And I'm like, "It's fine." And then she she didn't tell me that she was like she was like, "I was up all night." Oh I was God. like, "Oh no, I'm so sorry." Oh so, God. and then I showed her the app. I'm like, "This is how the wind blows. Like right. it's not going to come over the hill, and this is why. And if it does, here's the plan." And so right. like, that was a learning moment for me. I was like, "I got to prepare yeah. people that work for me. Where are the exit routes? What's the plan with the animals?" Right. Like it was a it was a big eye opener.
0: Well, there, there's that scene in the the Biggest Little Farm where they have that thing where right? the mm. fires oh, come yeah, right up terrifying. against the board and it's like oh my god. And those like, winds what and the trees oh. and yeah, that was
1: crazy.
0: Terrifying. Uh, listen, Carrie, thank you so much for coming in. Yeah. Um, I, I love talking to you. I love everything you're doing. I find the the subject fascinating, but also obviously super important. And I hope more and more people listen uh, and educate themselves and and obviously buy product from you and, yeah. and farms like you. And, and this just continues to grow. Um, What is the best way that people can get in touch with you purchase from you understand what you're doing? What are your,
1: all right. Well, thank you for having me. This has been lovely um, and so much fun. And apparently I need to start working out a little bit more. (laughs) Um, This gym is amazing. Um, So I am Carrie Richards. You can reach me at Richard's grass fed beef. Uh, We sell product online, but I'm also happy to talk to anybody about any questions, certifications, how we ranch and farm, i um, totally open to it. Um, everybody that orders online their first time, they get 15% off with the code thank you. Um, and, you know, we always have new products and stuff coming out. So just check our website out, sign up for our newsletter. and
0: Yeah. And we also have codes through Faros. Through so we can give you a, oh, a discount right. with the, with the Faros code. Yeah. So uh, I think it's Faros15 is the 15. code.
1: You can use either one.
0: You can get, uh, yeah, you can use either one. Yep. And there's a ton of good products on there. I just ordered my, uh, my thanksgiving meal my prime rib mm. uh two prime ribs um which is going to be fantastic we're, we're doing up an idol while with the family my, my family are actually flying out from the uk oh that's amazing yeah yeah so they're going to be with me for the first time in in two years and they're oh gonna my st- goodness yeah. that's a celebration and they're going to stay from thanksgiving right through to christmas Um nice. they haven't seen my son since he was born obviously <gasps> oh that's so, so that's going to be a special time yeah. uh yeah i'm a all be eating richard's grass-fed Yay! beef around the table so that's Love super it. exciting um, so but yeah, I uh, I look forward to to continue to work with you. Uh, I'm going to do everything I can to, to help you guys out because I'm I'm just in awe of what you guys are doing. I think so. it's fantastic, and um, we're going to raise awareness through the club and at the club. And you know, if anybody is listening and and, and they do want to kind of uh, help out, raise awareness, that kind of uh, stuff, reach out to me uh, and I'll point you in the right direction. And the uh, Kiss the Ground documentary, I think, is on Netflix. Make mm-hmm. sure you watch that. Your documentary is also on Netflix. Yep.
1: What's and it's it called? called a new regeneration. That's it, a new regeneration. Mm-hmm. And it's on the kiss the ground um, page. It's on the well. kiss the
0: ground page, and it's only like twenty minutes. Yeah, know, so it's, 20, a, it's a short one, minutes. so it's an easy watch. And the other yeah. one is the biggest little farm, which I think is also on Netflix. Yeah, I believe so. I but they're great yeah. documentaries. You learn a lot about regenerative farming. It's a super interesting story. It's kind of charming. Well, it's very charming. <laughs> um, you you learn a lot about, you know, what this whole thing is, why it's important, and kind of the the magic of it, mm-hmm. like the magic of the circle of life. Yeah. Which is what it's really all about. Exactly. Not not, not not, trying to change. And
1: understanding it and working with it.
0: Working with it. Mm-hmm. Working with it. Bringing everything back into harmony. Yeah. Um, okay, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, that is it for this week. We'll be back with you next week. Um, as you know, we are now fully open at 1316 Glendale Boulevard. You can follow us at Faros Echo Park and yeah take care have a wonderful thanksgiving this will be our last podcast before thanksgiving so take care of that have a great one enjoy your time with your families and friends and we'll see you real soon take care